Welcome back, boys and girls, to the Club Cool Podcast. Doors are open, right onto the balcony. They're big French ones. Nice windows. We can see outside. It actually kind of turned into a nice day here in Austin, Texas. You know, it's kind of crappy, kind of just really, it started out one of those days where you just like, it was just, it was mediocrity bottled up and turned into weather, basically, if you know, it had no, it had no real significance. It was like kind of rainy, but not really just like mist in the air, gray skies, like not cold, not high. It was just a real, real weird weather day, but it's uh, shaping up, shaping up. I'm your host, Barrett Dudley. And we're meeting right here at the intersection of style and pop culture. I had to a pause for effect there. I was thinking about doing something wild or hilarious. You know, nobody mentioned last week. I did a little. I, I, I made I made a couple of Zoolander references last week. I started out with the Maury Ballstein, you know, when he does that thing. Nobody noticed. So it's okay though. Somebody maybe did. You just didn't. You just didn't reach out and say, "Hey, I noticed that." So that's fine. I am here. I am joined by uh, Glass Half Phil. Not Glass Half Empty, Glass Half Phil. What's up, Phil? Hello. How Glad to like, be here. How you like that one? I love that. That's yeah. a good one. It's, it's not a stretch? It's one of, one of your better <laughs> names, yeah. It is nice here, isn't it? I'm glad we have the doors open. We can see out. It's yeah, beautiful. Yeah, yeah. The, the clubhouse is just looking spick and span today. Yeah. Yeah. Big windows. Floor to ceiling. Floor to ceiling windows. All the bells and whistles. So much natural light in here. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah really, Very happy really to be beautiful. Here. Uh, today, we are going to talk about some of our style icons and how to put together a starter pack for some of those people. We are going to address the True Detective Season 3 finale. And then we've got uh, some odds and ends about an era, a bygone era, an era coming to a close, if you will, towards the end of the pod. Did you guys hear that uh, that Peloton is is going to IPO with a valuation of, of uh, eight billion dollars next wow. year? Not shocking at all. I, just for reference' sake, I, I need you to remember that Facebook bought Instagram for one billion dollars. Yes, right, right, and then offered four billion to Snapchat. Yeah, and now Peloton, a company that makes a spin bike is going to IPO with a valuation uh-huh. of $8 billion. Yeah. Well, they've got so much in the pipeline. There's so much more than just a bike company. It has now. to be. The, there has got, to be like some like they've got a treadmill technology, something or other. Th- yeah. That... It's all about bringing the workout into the home, which is where everybody, you know, everybody wants an instant. They don't have to go anywhere. Yeah. They want to kind of cut out the, however, you, you lose a lot when you're cutting out the membership to some of these like really nice gyms, which yeah. I think they're looking for that premium market. Right. But having been to a Peloton class in their studio, mm-hmm. and and I've been on one of their bikes, um, it's it's a superior product in yeah, my opinion. Yeah, I, the, there's been clearly a lot said on this about the, or a lot said about this on the internet already. But the funniest thing about the Peloton is that you really you really don't deserve to have one unless you have some beautiful spot. Yeah, in your four million dollar apartment yeah. overlooking central park and you're in this apartment needs to have like a little a nice little like uh-huh. round spot where you can put like a reclaimed wood uh varnished deck 
Yeah. And then you put the bike on top of that, and then the bike faces this big wall of these floor-to-ceiling windows, much like we have in the studio. It would be perfect here. Yeah, right, right. Here. right. And then you look out over Central Park, and that's where you do your Peloton yes. ride. You need something like that. I don't. Maybe it's you know, maybe it's a veranda, uh, you know, on your uh, on the balcony in Miami where your Peloton bike yeah. sits. Or you just need something beautiful and lavish. You need a, a place uh-huh. to put this. Which begs the question: Where is Big T-shirt Matt going to put his? Correct. Because I don't know about a room now. I don't know about a room. He's got a new he, house. He does have a new house. It must have. It must have <laughs> one of these perfect, beautiful spots for a Peloton. Because he says that he's he's closer than ever to getting one. I think he has purchased the Peloton. Okay. All wow. Right. Yeah. This is big news. This is huge. <laughs> Man. Wow. You heard it first. He's like a regular celebrity now. We're gonna have to get him in here. To yeah. Get, to, you know, guest star on the podcast. Tell us he, about this Peloton. It was he and I who took the class in um, when we were in New York for work. And we went to the studio where they were recording one of the, the shows or mm-hmm. one of the classes that you can stream. Right. And it's a whole deal, man. I yeah. mean, like these, these each class is sold out. There's probably 100 people in them. There's cameras swinging all over the place. The yep. instructor is, um, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, she was like an 11. <laughs> and like if you go online and read the instructor's bios, it's ridiculous. Well, I was reading a little bit about this IPO on Fast Company and like in the you might also like section where it links to some other things, there is a headline that says Peloton had 4% more customers than SoulCycle last wow, quarter, really? which is mind-boggling. Really? Because SoulCycle you would think is like the industry leader in this like rhythmic, you know, trendy spin type shit. But it, the, Peloton is cool and I think it works because you do need you you actually in reality you do need like a small uh, not that big of a space mm-hmm. you don't need a lot of equipment all mm-hmm. you need is the bike and the conceit that you can like stream all of these actual spin classes from around the world like from the Peloton studios or from the the licensed studios that are like you know streaming their mm-hmm. classes through onto the Peloton bike and you can actually like take a real spin class it's just that your bike is in your house instead of in the studio i love that i love that idea i think it's really cool but then if you start extrapolating that out and kind of like pushing into, you know, maybe a boot camp style class, then you need a lot more space. You need equipment. You need bands. You need weights. So I don't know how, you know, I don't know if it'll translate over there. It'll just, uh, it'll just be interesting to see how they how they finagle that $8 billion valuation if it actually does IPO. At that. That, I mean, that's it's just kind of hearsay rumor type stuff right now. But yeah, that's, that's what I think it's a, it's a great company. I don't know if I would throw a lot of money at it as a small time my, investor, yeah. investor. My yeah. question, uh, after seeing all the Peloton things, and I, I understand the spin class deal, and I, I like a spin class. Everybody likes a spin class every once in a while. The girlfriend's big into spin classes. I, I understand that culture a little bit. Like, why does Peloton have to be this luxury product? When does somebody come in and undercut them and sell the exact same thing for you know a quarter of the price? Or $1,000 instead of $2,000. Mm-hmm. When does that happen? When does the working man's Peloton come in? And <laughs> sure, sure. Sure. Because you'd have to think the streaming technology is it's out there. It's not that hard at this mm-hmm. point. Right. Uh, and the how much can a spin bike really cost? Uh, you, you, I just wonder. I, I feel like there's a, an opportunity. So if anybody out there has a working man's spin bike uh, and wants me to be the face of the, the, the franchise, I will do that. He's got the cabs for it. The the the, the, the working man's spin bike is uh, going and getting a huffy and riding it around your neighborhood. Yeah, just an actual <laughs> bike. <laughs> well, Peloton really. I have a feeling that they make a lot of their revenue off of the memberships. Oh, I'm sure the subscription 
um, yeah. model to yeah. it. Because you're not going to yeah. get the full experience if you're not a full-time subscriber, and that ain't cheap. True, true. And if if those if the streaming, I mean that that's actually a great point. If they're booking up every single class and then having people paying mm-hmm. that are streaming the class mm-hmm. as well, you're basically like you basically have a a studio with no bounds on how many seats it can hold. Right. Uh, yeah, that's and they interact with you too. If mm-hmm. you're like a a long time rider or whatever, mm-hmm. they're going to interact with everybody in that class. It's, yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Well, speaking of spin bikes, that's what you need to stay healthy. You know what else you need to stay healthy? Sleep and good sleep at that. Resolve to rest this year. A quality night's sleep helps you recover from distractions faster, prevents burnout, you make better decisions, it improves your memory. Overall, you just make fewer mistakes. This is not marketing. This is science. Lisa leveraged 30 plus years of experience and hundreds of hours of testing to develop the perfect mattress for all body shapes and sleeping styles. If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you have heard me rave about Lisa before. I sleep on the Sapira by Lisa, combines memory memory foam and spring technology. I get unbelievable sleep. I sleep very cool. I'm a, I tend to be a hot sleeper. Same. Lisa regulates the, the, the Lisa mattress regulates the temperature of your body mm. so you never overheat, you never get too hot. Love that. Not only are the Lisa mattresses incredible and brilliant and comfortable to sleep on, but Lisa as a company has a mission to provide a better night's rest for everybody. So through their 110 program, they donate one mattress for every 10 that they sell. That's more than 31,000 mattresses and counting. They also plant a tree for every single mattress that they sell. They partner with the Arbor Day Foundation to do that. So Lisa is making the planet a better place. Uh, that's that's all there is to it. You get a great night's sleep, and you can feel good about the company that you're supporting. Go to lisa.com slash cool. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com slash cool. And you can use promo code cool to get $160 off a Lisa mattress. One more time, that's lisa.com slash cool. Use promo code COOL, get 160 bucks off of a Lisa mattress. All right, Phil. I kind of teased this last week, but uh, had a couple of questions about, you know, top five style icons, that type of thing. Um, and and th- that was from the, the, the Q&A thing that I yeah. was doing on the Instagram. And then I also had somebody DM in about, like, kind of a similar type thing, but he, he also, you know, added the piece about, like, and what would... What would these icons, what would their their Instagram starter packs be, yeah. basically? Kind of following along with that meme. So I decided that we would put together a few of our individual style icons. We've got them listed here. But before we jump into to who we've got down, you know, there, there were a lot of different directions that we could take this. Because you can kind of frame this question differently and you'll get different answers. Like... Are we talking about who I think are the five best dressed people ever? Or are we talking about the guys and girls that kind of define what style looks like right this second? Like, are we going like of the moment icons? Or maybe we just mean the uh, the ladies and gents that are most influential to our own personal style. And I, I tried to kind of like mix all of those things in to what I put down. But I think the most important thing for me when I was like picking, you know, who to put on this list 
was like how these people are influential to my own like perception and use of style basically yeah that's that, that's that the approach I, yeah i mean there's so many people out there that would be on this list but it would take a it would take forever to go through yes and yes it would <laughs> b i just wanted like it, when you say like style icons it's somebody that i have paid attention to for a, a extended period of time that's mm-hmm. that's just how i broke it down yeah yeah okay that's that's fair now i i there are a few guys it see that that's the part that's interesting to me because there are a few guys that I definitely considered style icons for several years that have kind of fallen off this yeah. list a little bit. For right. Me. Like if we were doing this three years ago, maybe even 18 months ago, mm-hmm. but probably more like three, like Zac Efron and Kanye West would yeah. definitely have been dudes on my list. Right. And they both of them have just kind of like fallen off for for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Kanye basically just like hasn't really changed his style in three years. He's just, At wearing, all. you know, he's just wearing sweatshirts and sweatpants with Adidas shoes. He, he, and that's pretty much, and like maybe like, you know. He's, he always looks just like bloated. Yes. Yeah. And just not healthy. <laughs> but I'm sure he is. I think it's just the clothes that he's wearing. Yeah. So, um, you know, th- this stuff does change over the years. And um, I'm going to start with a person that to me does epitomize how I think guys want to dress in 2019. And that's LeBron James. So he's on my list for a few reasons. He's the best dressed guy to me in a league full of dudes that are trying to dress well. For sure. Like we've talked before about how that tunnel on your way into an NBA game is like the new runway. Yeah. And all of these guys are just like stacking designer on designer on designer, like trying to stunt on each other. James Harden and PJ Tucker are Oh my God, yes. Unbelievable duo. They they really are, and they they've got a lot of flair. James Harden and mm-hmm. PJ Tucker, a lot of style. PJ Tucker, especially, I mean, just like comes with the flex, mm-hmm. <laughs> if you will. But LeBron puts everything together in a way that is just like uh, it's just really, really well done. It's less of like a try hard look. Yes, exactly. Like a lot of these dudes, you can tell that it's just like they heard about Amiri. And they're like, oh, I got to get those Amiri yeah. jeans. And I'm going to wear them with the off-white Nikes. Give me everything he's like, got. Give me, yeah, exactly. LeBron is far more thoughtful about it. And I'm pretty sure that LeBron does have a stylist, which kind of like mm-hmm. bumps him a notch here. But I also know that he cares a lot about this stuff. And I think he's got to like I, – I definitely think that he has an understanding of how he wants to dress. Yeah. I think his stylist is just helping him get the custom pieces and kind of like, mm-hmm. oh, well, we got this in. Oh, I got you this Jill Sander. Like, you know, it's just – he's got so much on his plate that he needs yeah, help putting it together mm-hmm. so that he always looks perfect. Um, But, you know, he kind of – like you said, a lot of the guys kind of end up looking a little hype beastie or a little try hard. A lot of times I've said that that the two styles that I kind of try to bridge are just like contemporary casual and the streetwear mm-hmm, elements. Mm-hmm. Those are kind of like the two that I pull from the most. And I think he does that really, really well because he'll wear everything from like, you know, Rag and Bone and John Elliott. And then he's constantly in stuff from Gucci mm-hmm. as well, basically. Mm-hmm. So he really he's got a broad range. Everything he owns is tailored to perfection. He is a what he has mastered to like really just an, to a to a new level 
is cropping his trousers or his yeah. denim yeah. so that exactly like uh-huh. two inches of sock shows. Uh-huh. So he's constantly in dope socks too. Yeah. And his layering is always on point. Mm-hmm. He's almost never in just like one layer. I mean, he's just really, really well put together. He brought the Tom Brown suits to the NBA. Mm-hmm. I loved when he had the whole team dressed up in the Tom Brown suits, which is not an easy thing to do when you're a six foot nine man because Tom Brown is like notoriously like a very shrunken suit, <laughs> extremely shrunken. And I mean, I, I I think that he has to have all this stuff made. For oh, him. it's all custom. Has all to be. custom. Um, so what's his starter pack? Let's say, all right, I'm in on LeBron. How do I pull off the fit? You know, tomorrow. So, because he is so diverse with his style, this isn't a super easy one, but I think that for the most part, you know, the majority of his fits do follow a certain formula right now, and that starts with the pants that I just mentioned. He, it, he, he's always, his sh- shoes are pretty much whatever he wants from Nike, but he is very, 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 very loyal to the company that mm-hmm. paid him the billion dollars. Yeah. So, he's always in Nikes. Whatever he wants, the latest and greatest, or just sometimes he's just random wearing like random Air Force Ones. Um, so the pants, he likes kind of what I call a, it, it, I'm going to call it a carrot fit. It's not an exaggerated carrot fit in like the classic terms, but it's looser up top in the top block, mm-hmm. and then it always tapers down to the ankle mm-hmm. a little bit. And then he is basically having everything hemmed to leave that gap in between the shoe and the pant so that you can see the socks that he's wearing too. Um, and then I think his, when I was looking through photos, his favorite pairing up top is like a hoodie and then just like some awesome piece of outerwear, whether it's a leather or a mm-hmm. denim jacket or a bomber or even like a, a, a suit or even like a blazer, even like a tailored blazer over a hoodie. Over, yeah. So yeah. that, that, that's kind of, that's the LeBron look yeah. in a nutshell. Um, Let's jump into one of yours. Who you got first up? Um, okay. So first on my list is where are we? Oh, it's um our good friend, friend of the show, actually. Friend of the pod? Yeah, Jared Leto. Jared Leto, okay. Yeah. Um he's he's been on before. We'll we'll air that episode <laughs> later. <laughs> so I like Jared Leto and I've I've always paid attention to stuff he's worn just because it is he and another guy on my list, it's Generally, the stuff that you see him pictured with is on, you know, a carpet somewhere or at a show of one of, you know, a 30 Seconds to Mars show where he's on stage, basically. Mm -hmm. So that immediately disqualifies all of the stuff he's wearing as anything you would pull off, typically. Um, However, you know, you need somebody in the lineup that's going to bring, you know, inspiration, just like we've talked about before. Like if you're looking at a runway show. You're not wearing any of that. It's just it's it's to give you an idea as to what the direction they're they're trying to what it go. could look like. What yeah. it could look like, right? Yeah. And just different ideas. So I love I love his style in general. I think that what he's been doing with Gucci lately is, um, it's it's interesting. It's a lot. It is a lot. It's a lot. I mean, like the lapels are like it's extra. As the like kids are two saying. feet. <laughs> lapels two foot lapels it is extra but that's cool i'm into it yeah he he more than anybody represents the idea of like maximalism in fashion mm-hmm. right now uh and he does that primarily by wearing all of the latest gucci all of it just which is silken and embroidered and 
you know, just kind of crazy, basically. Mm-hmm. Very colorful as well. Um, when I was thinking about what he might have as a starter pack, he he has also paired Gucci with the louder Fear of God stuff yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. So he'll be in like the yellow, blue, and white color-blocked Fear of God track pants. Yeah. And then just like some wild ass prints from Gucci with some uh, like massive brooch. trench coat and a yeah that ties at the neck with a big brooch. On it. <laughs> <Yeah>. uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I you know when I first started thinking about this list, he popped into my head from a look that was I don't know how old, but it was back when like those big Prada sunglasses were in uh-huh. the white uh, rim, white frame Prada sunglasses. Yeah. And he wore those with just this massive khaki trench coat that tied at the waist <laughs> and like this huge mohawk that was dyed some funky color. But I, I loved it. It was yeah. cool. I think he just commands a ton of attention. And if if you can see like some street style snaps of him, mm-hmm. he's in much more toned down stuff. Yeah. And it's much more approachable. Um, a lot of cutoffs and, um, you know, kind of grungy. Yeah. And uh, I, I've always liked his style. I think he's he's a good one to to have on the list for sure. Yeah, uh, definitely fun to look at from like an aspirational sense mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. Just kind of the 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 id to some of these other you yeah. know fashion egos, basically. Right. Um, next on my list is Jeff Goldblum. So Goldblum makes my list. He he's kind of a surprise call up for me but I but I was just thinking about like guys that I've noticed constantly over the last you know year basically where I just see them and I'm like man that looks great he pulls everything he pulls everything off he's a total fashion plate and his wardrobe is what is basically I'm gonna what I'm gonna call it is it's seamless Mm. the way that Jeff Goldblum dresses you know that everything in his closet all goes together for sure like lebron's closet. if we're comparing to to the first guy that i talked about lebron like lebron's closet it's very much like a mishmash you got denim and you got slacks and you Mm -hmm. got gucci and you got you you know it's just kind of like all over the place and even though it's very you know you can mix and match and put all that stuff together i just feel like you could go in with a blindfold blindfolded to Mm -hmm. goldblum's closet and just like grab stuff and it would go together yeah and he does that because, or the way that he does that is that he's is that he kind of like finds a designer that he likes and then he just runs with that. Mm-hmm. So for a while, uh, he was he was like all Saint Laurent. Uh, if you look at his stuff now, he is also wearing a lot. He's now wearing a lot of Prada. But that's but that's kind of how he does that is that he just kind of like he doesn't gravitate too far out from mm-hmm. one or two or three designers and he just kind of like goes all in on that one style. I, I want you to go look at Jeff Goldblum if you haven't recently and just like look at the stuff that he's pulling off and looking phenomenal in and then and then remember that this man is 66 years old. That's what's so great about it. it, it and he can take He's even taken like a lot of risk with some of the stuff that he's oh, wearing. Yes, totally. But it, it comes together in a nice, clean look. It does. It's, it's not in, all over the place. No, in like when this dude puts on, you know, a a leather biker jacket. Yeah, it does not look weird. No, he it looks, doesn't look like he's dressing no, under his age or, or it, trying too hard. Absolutely not. He posted a photo back in September. He's in the Saint Laurent store and he's trying on leather pants. And I mean, it's just like, it, it's flawless on him. Yeah. It does not, you're not like, why is this old man wearing leather pants? Right, it's just like, right. God, he was born to wear those leather pants. 
So he's unique. He's got personality, character, attitude, and I think his wardrobe is just kind of a kind of a perfect reflection of like that quirk that he has because it's like it doesn't it doesn't to- make total sense. He's mm-hmm. kind of, he's kind of a a bit of a of a paradox maybe, if you will. Um and he gets to wear the glasses with a lot of things. The black-rimmed glasses. And that helps out with everything. It does, yeah. So his his starter pack, now again, this is a tough one because he do, he has kind of like transitioned into some of this Prada stuff of late. But when I think of his kind of his classic look over the last two or three years, it all kind of, it, it starts with the shoes because he's one of the only dudes, this is another way that he kind of like, he he makes it go, very Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Is that the shoes that he likes? Two pairs of shoes that he likes, which are you know kind of same family. He'll wear these black and white uh, penny loafers, mm-hmm. or he'll wear a, like a kind of a rockability rockability style uh, creeper. So it's, it'll be like a black and white single yeah. buckle shoe with like a fat fat sole. Mm-hmm. Both of these they're very like vintage looking shoes. Basically, they look like they're from the fifties, and so by by wearing that type of more like retro shoe, it it kind of makes the rest of his outfit feel more age appropriate because mm-hmm. he's not because he's not down there with like Yeezys on basically right you know what right, I mean right right yeah um, it's a smarter look for sure yeah so it starts with the shoes and then black or white jeans very slim with no break and then up top I think you go with a dark turtleneck. And then your choice of a leather or suede jacket. So that's that's what I'm putting together for the uh, for the Goldblum starter pack. All right, let's hit on one one of yours again. Um, all right, so this next gentleman is a perfect. That's a perfect segue. Goldblum into this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, many of our listeners would probably know who this guy is if you, if I put a picture in front of you, um, but just didn't know his name. His name is Nick Wooster. W O O S T E R. He's an older gentleman. Uh, I think he's around sixty, and um, he is all. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's at every show, front row. Um, he is one of the first guys that I really ever paid attention to when it came to like street snaps or street style. Yes, because he happened to always be pictured, mm-hmm. whether it's outside of a show during Fashion Week or whatever. Um, and he's always got on something interesting. You know, a lot of the stuff, obviously, I can't pull off because he is like the king of the drop crotch right now. Yeah. His evolution has also been interesting because he, you know, we're going to talk a little bit more about this uh, in the back half of the show. But like you said, he was one of the original kind of street style gods. But that happened during like the peak menswear yeah. era. So he was very much like a dandy mm-hmm. with like the super high and tight. Yeah, uh, haircut and like all sorts of uh, flourishes on suits. A lot of shit in the pocket. A lot of shit in the pocket. Yeah, uh, he uh, he ended up working with a guy named Mark McNary, who was also very popular during that uh, mm-hmm. during that era. Um, doing in in like McNary's spin was like taking that menswear stuff and then like making it kind of badass. Uh-huh. So they did like McNary would do like camo suits. Yeah, stuff like that. Uh-huh. Or uh, suede bucks, but like with an orange sole. Cool. That's you know that type uh-huh. of thing. So Wooster was was big on that. Now he seems to have gone full like Greg Lauren and Rick Owens. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and it's more of I don't even know if this is the right way to characterize it, but he, he kind of has like a lot of like the Japanese guys that you see out there. 
wear like the ultra oversized things. Yes, and 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 a lot of them wear like like I said, drop crotch and like super cropped pants, mm-hmm. but with like a bunch of stuff on top. Yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he does. And yeah. normally, I would you know you would say, "Wow, that looks really stupid," but he pulls it off. Uh huh. And um, another thing that I've always liked about him is he's pretty heavily tattooed. He's got both arms done, one leg kind of halfway done. Uh, I read a article that he did with or an interview with GQ and they asked him about his tattoos and he kind of skirted the question. Yeah. He didn't really care to talk about it too much. Hmm. Which is odd to me. But if you go back and look, he doesn't really show his full arms that often. Um and he's always got like his this crossed arm look if you if he's taking pictures with someone. So I thought that was kind of interesting, but I've always enjoyed him being an older guy, he's got the full head of gray hair. Mm-hmm. He keeps it high and tight and pulls off these contemporary looks, but kind of puts his own spin on it and keeps it, you know, somewhat age appropriate for him. Yeah. Um, and it's constantly, every time I see him, it's, it's very interesting looks yeah. every single time. I'm never bored looking at any of his stuff. Um, and if you have a chance to check out, he did work with, um, this sh- footwear company called greats. Um, and did a line for them that is really cool with some animal prints. Um, I never got to get my hands on one. They sold out and have hmm. never restocked. Hmm. How, but, far, how, how far back was that? That was less than a year ago. Okay. Um, but yeah, really cool dude to to follow. Um, he's one of the few dudes that if you follow him on Instagram, you will get something out of it. Yeah. Unlike Jared Leto and this other guy that's on my list. Yes. Okay. Well, we are going to get to... Uh to those right after a quick break. Today's podcast is brought to you by Outer Known. If you're not familiar with Outer Known, I am very, very excited to tell you about them. Outer Known is a brand that was started by Kelly Slater a few years ago. Kelly Slater, as you know, 11-time world champion. He's basically the Michael Jordan of surfing. He loves clothes. He wanted to start a brand with a mission to provide great clothes that don't harm the environment. So that's the first thing that you should know about Outer Known is that the clothes are for people and planet. They are high quality. They're sustainable. They're durable. Uh, everything is very green. You know, they're working with fair trade factories. So the people making the clothing are getting real living wages and safe working conditions. Um, you know, it's all they're, they're all about like water conservation and just like keeping everything that they do uh, very earth conscious, which I really, really love. I also just love the clothing. Um, Same. This is a brand that I've paid attention to for basically since they started. Uh, they've been featured in GQ. Uh, one of our local boutiques carries them. Uh, Big time stores like Mr. Porter carry them. And I love this stuff. It's basically like it is a California kind of like surf-based lifestyle mm-hmm. brand, but make it contemporary and with a fashion forward spin on it. It's very easy to wear, too. So easy to wear. And the the reason that I'm so excited about getting to tell you guys about Outer Known is because we're frequently looking for those brands to tell you guys about that are like really perfect steps up into like this just kind of awesome wave of fashion. They're not too pricey, but they're definitely like an elevated, better quality, like great looking uh, you know, aesthetic. It's a great addition for sure. If you're looking to get something a little bit better than the the basic tees that you've been rocking for the past five years, upgrade to Outer Known. They've got everything from denim, sweats, hoodies, tees. They've got outerwear. 
Um, this is an easy one to to add to the wardrobe. Yeah. So the thing that I got that I was just super, super stoked on, like I've had this on a wish list from before Outer Known even came on board for Club Cool Pod. It's called the Overlook Fleece Hoodie. And it is a like fleece and wool blend. And of course, you know, I went with the Shibori colorway, which is this like badass, you know, huge tie dye print, basically. <laughs> it's so, so awesome. I, I got it. it. It is like, it's just as cozy as can be. And how about this deal? If you go to outerknown.com today, you can use my code COOL at checkout and you'll get 25% off your full price order. That's nice. It's a really, really nice discount, I promise, because a lot of this stuff is like just coming out. It's brand new for spring and summer 2019. They have awesome shorts. They've got mm-hmm. swim trunks. I mean, and the swim trunks are going to be perfect for whether you're like just sitting on the beach during spring break or summer vacation, or you're actually like shredding waves. Yeah, you think Kelly Slater doesn't know how to make a swim trunk? Exactly. Come on. Um, I also got a pair of the Drifter tapered jeans. Uh, I went with a uh, kind of ecru colorway called Mirage. A whole bunch of great colorways to choose from, whether you want just like a classic indigo or black to all the way to like to the, some of this stuff like white or ecru. Um, I'm stoked on this brand. I think you will be too. Give them a shot. Go to outerknown.com. That's O-U-T-E-R-K-N-O-W-N.com. And remember to use my code COOL at checkout for 25% off your entire full-priced order. All right, we're back. We're still talking style icons. We got two more to go. And uh, I'm throwing you a curveball here. You know I had to include a female on this list. Mm -hmm. Uh, As I've talked about before, uh, a lot of times I'm just more inspired by the street style looks that I'm seeing from the women that I am from the men. And a lot of that kind of like goes back to what we've talked about ad nauseum here about how it's just like, it's kind of just hard to find like dudes that aren't just like piling on a bunch of hype beast designer yeah. stuff. So I, 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 I'm, I'm constantly going to like various street style Instagram accounts. Um, and in particular, this one blogger, her name is Ariel Sharnas. You may know her as something Navy. She's kind of one of the OG female Instagram bloggers. There's like a few names out there that are that always ring bells. It's like something Navy, Atlantic Pacific, Happily Gray. They've all that now changed their Instagram handles to be their own name because what we've learned over the last five years is that you don't actually want a brand. You are the brand. Right? Yes. Exactly. Yes. Um, but looking here, she's got a whole line of Nordstrom. Yeah, she does. She has a collaboration with Nordstrom and... She's on my list as, you know, kind of just to represent how much I get from like female looks, basically. Mm-hmm. And the the reason that I that I like her in comparison to some of these other, um, you know, kind of like female blogging icons, basically, is that even when she's decked out in super expensive designer stuff, she always keeps it really wearable and approachable. So a lot of the bloggers, like they become famous, they, uh, you know, they, they, they've got the money to spend on the clothes or they've got the connections and they'll basically like put on like full kind of avant-garde runway looks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, that's cool, but I'm not personally going to do that. Right. So uh, Ariel, even when she's doing like full, you know, even if she, everything she's wearing is from the row, it's like, 
It's a suede boot with cropped light denim and a dark sweater and then a massive olive coat on top of that or Mm -hmm. something. You know, it's just like very... What I find myself doing, and the reason that she's on this list, is because I'll have something that I want to wear, but maybe I want to do like a little bit... I want to bring something new to it. I'll be like, all right, well, I want to wear this particular navy blue sweater. Mm -hmm. And I'll like, just like, I can go to her Instagram and kind of scroll through. And inevitably, I'll find her kind of wearing something that is passable as like a navy blue sweater. Yeah. And I just like pick up what she's, how she's put it together. Mm -hmm. Like the color palette that she's using or the proportions that she's going with or the shoes that she's paired with it. And so I just, um, she's on this list today and for the foreseeable future because I think she is currently the best at what, at, at, she's the best at what she's doing in that spectrum Mm -hmm. of like female bloggers who the whole point is to basically inspire other people to in, into style. Right. Right. So that's uh, Ariel Sharnas, a.k.a. Something Navy. All right, let's go to your last one. Okay. Um, I saved the best for last. Uh, this is my guy that I, I, you know, he has directly. It's my guy. It's my, my guy. guy. <laughs> hey, my guy. <laughs> directly, like whenever I look at, you know, looks that he has been, you know, caught in because uh, he doesn't post anything on his Instagram. This is your style icon, numero uno. Numero uno, Justin Thoreau. Yeah. Um, don't follow him. You're not going to get anything out of it. No. Um, but he um, he just epitomizes to me this the 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 what I go for, which is just to keep it as effortless as possible and mm-hmm. not try too too hard. Sometimes you might find yourself trying hard to not try hard, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is always a struggle. Yep, yep, that does happen. Yeah. Um, and uh, I just like his overall style. He does a lot of all black, which I'm into. Mm-hmm. Um, today I'm wearing all white. but And he does a lot of— You know, you came in here, though, mm-hmm. in the all white, and immediately I thought of a Justin uh, of Justin Thoreau. Good. There you go. Because he—like, there's one one of his street style f- photographs. I think it's actually from last summer. Uh-huh. You know, he's he's got he's the biker dude. He's yeah. constantly riding around on bikes. He did, like, an, a white-on-white look. But like the whites were like kind of different shades, kind of yeah. like you got going mm-hmm. on right now. He's a great person for for this, like you said, for this effortless style inspiration because he ne- he does not branch out too far from like mm-hmm. his own box, basically. And what his box is is stuff that every dude can wear. Yeah, it's black jeans, it's mm-hmm. good t shirts, it's leather jackets, it's bombers, it's aviator sunglasses. You know, it's like it's yeah. just. It's very, very wearable stuff, even though you're probably not going to look as much of a rock god as Justin Thoreau looks No, like. you're not. That's what I was going to say. His, <laughs> If you see him in this stuff, the denim is custom-made, three-by-one denim. Um, and, and they are borderline, like, painted on him Yeah, sometimes. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, he looks good. I don't— He dude, looks great. I, this On my Explore feed today, this photograph of Kyler Murray at, like, a basketball game popped up. And he's he's wearing those new Turbo Green uh, Air Jordan ones, uh-huh. and like his denim is so tight. Damn. He's a football player, man. You know he's got a big ass. He's yeah, got a big you trunk. Can't do that. And the sh- it, these jeans are just like strangling him, man. It's not not good. He, not well, what, he hasn't gotten want. he hasn't gotten the stylist yet. No, no. He's but, new to but the game. But Thoreau doesn't have the uh, the football player body problem. That's right. So you know he cuts a mean figure in those black in those black <laughs> denims. <laughs> I. Uh, my wife and I, Ashley, were in Whole Foods, this was about a year ago, and ran into him. I didn't even know it was him because I was looking down at my phone like a jackass. <laughs> Walked out, and by the time we were outside, she's like, you just missed Justin Thoreau. She has seen him again since then. 
um, and uh, almost left me for him. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, understandable. I wouldn't blame her. So, yeah, the, the denim is custom, and the boots are typically, you know, McQueen combat boots, which you can duplicate this look. I mean, that's what I try to do, and I just have Levi's, and, you know, if you can find some some decent, whether they're Chelsea boots or anything high top. Yeah, the starter pack here, though, is pretty... This guy has the easiest starter pack for sure. to me. For it sure. is black jeans, yeah, skinny ones, uh-huh. with black combat boots. And then I, I went with the muscle tee because he like uh-huh. he 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 does that pretty frequently, and then like just you know the I, cutoff. He's the, the cutoff the, god. Yes, yeah. Um, and then you got to have a bomber or a leather jacket with you. You do, you yeah. do. That's uh, that's true. I, I have made the decision that I am going to do more cutoffs this summer. Mm-hmm. So you've look been, for you, that. You've been uh, you've been working on those guns. I've been working on the guns. Curls for the girls. That's right. Okay, good. <laughs> that's right. Um. I do have one bonus one listed because he's kind of the guy that inspired some of these questions. And I know all you guys are probably like waiting to hear his name and you haven't heard it yet. And that's John Mayer. Yeah. He's on here as as kind of the bonus. He's the king of Instagram right now, if mm-hmm. you ask me. He is he he's nailing the stories game. He's super funny. The new music is really good. This is a dude that is just like coming to his own as a forty year old, basically. Great crossover. Girls love him, guys love him. Yeah. I, I mean he just like he was absent for so long. Yeah. And then he just, like a phoenix from the ashes, has just come <laughs> back to be this presence that is an enjoyable, he's just an enjoyable enjoyable, mm-hmm. and talented celebrity to like, you know, have around to talk about. Um, he merges two of like the most popular kind of like styles right now. He is a, he is the Japanese Americana Visfum mm-hmm. legend. As we've said before, he apparently buys two of every single thing that this one makes. Mm-hmm. One to stock, one to rock. Yep. Um, and then he is also big on the techie utility stuff. He's even... Uh, Errolson Hugh is the designer behind Acronym. Acronym has its own line, which is just like wildly expensive. And then Acronym also does collaborations with Nike. Um, and uh, for one of the most recent Acronym and Nike releases... It was like the the all the marketing and promo stuff was like featuring Errolson Hugh and John Mayer mm-hmm. rocking the uh, they were like the Vapor Max mocks yeah mock sneakers those are cool yeah uh, and a lot of times he pairs those those two styles together so my my uh, my starter pack for John Mayer is the the most important thing is the some type of like large kimono cape style mm-hmm. piece of outerwear. Mm-hmm. Obviously, bonus points if it's from like Capital or Visfum or some other Japanese brand that yeah. I've never heard of. Uh, and then you need like a vintage, preferably Japanese made Hawaiian shirt, yeah. a very cropped one. Yeah. And then you need some utility techie cargo trousers with the big pockets, with the with big old pockets. Yeah. Bonus points the more for the more pockets mm-hmm. there are, and then whatever the latest super hyped up Nike is. Yeah, that's it. That's him. That's it. Okay. There's your John. There's your John's Mayor starter pack <laughs> for you guys, and uh, and that's what we've got. That's our style icons today. Feel uh, free to DM your style icons or people that you. Yeah, feel yeah. We've I do. Left I do want to hear who who we left off the list. Uh, complaints, suggestions. No complaints. No complaints. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. 
But uh, but who do we leave off? Who are your style icons? Who are you pulling the most inspiration from these days? Um, let's move on to J Crew. To J Crew. Thank you, Phil. <laughs> nice save. Yeah. Um, <laughs> That's what I'm here for. Yeah. Appreciate it. <laughs> Alley oop. Um, okay. We talked about a guy in the style icon piece named Nick Wooster. We talked about how he was like at the peak of his powers or at least came to prominence during the hashtag menswear heyday. Yeah. Um, just from a historical, just quick historical synopsis. Whenever I say that that word, that hashtag menswear thing, or I like reference dandies, that that is about 10 years ago. We reached a critical mass on like everybody wanting to wear like double monk shoes yeah. and custom yeah. suits and do like the the crazy socks and a tie bar and a lapel flower mm-hmm. and a pocket square and like a feather in your cap, basically. There's like the hype beast of of men's Ye- like fine menswear yes. suiting. Yes, it absolutely was. Ten years ago before off white. Like the hype, like the 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 biggest stunt that you could do was like just being a flexed out yes. suit wearer, right? Basically, yeah. Um, that era is kind of bygone. Uh huh. But one of the things that it led to was J Crew as I knew it on my like style come up, if you will, because mm-hmm. I was graduating from college in two thousand and nine, and that is when I had like kind of like. To, so to, early 2009 is when I had begun to be like, well, you know, I don't, I don't know about this whole frat boy look anymore. Like I'm ready to move on and evolve and and dress a little better, basically, or dress differently. You, you got the, you got rid of the Sperrys. Yeah, and uh, well, not for a while, but you know, I started exploring mm-hmm. basically, and J Crew was like right here, kind of growing with this hashtag menswear movement, and they were becoming as Mickey Drexler would go on to say, a more stylish brand than they really were. Mm-hmm. And they they turned J. Crew into like this ultimate resource for guys that wanted to be stylish, that that wanted to like, you know, expand their horizons basically. And it's when they started carrying uh, like new balances on the site. Yeah. That's when they started doing collaborations with Bellstaff mm-hmm. and Barber. Mm-hmm. And... They opened a store. It was actually Todd Snyder, who was working at J. Crew at the time, that opened the store. It's called The Liquor Store. And back in the day, you could even go to jcrew.com, and there'd be a tab called oh, yeah. The Liquor Store. I used to get the magazine. Yeah. There and was it, a separate and, magazine for it. Yes. And The Liquor Store was positioned in Tribeca. It was on a corner, like a little, like this very, like it was a, a, an intersection that like came to a point, and right at the point sat the J. Crew Liquor Store. And I mean, it was just like, it was menswear of the time. It was a mecca. It was awesome. Mm-hmm. And it had like this just like it carried all of this collaboration stuff that we were talking about. J. Crew was was really coming into into its own, like fulfilling the needs of, of, of all of these guys that were suddenly more interested in fashion and style. Well, that store is closing next month. Damn. So as J. Crew continues Pour to one out. Uh, yeah. And J. Crew continues to have just crazy turnover at the executive level. Um, you know, Jenna Lyons left, Frank Muchins left, uh, Mickey Drexler is off the board now. Uh, the guy that they pulled over from Madewell, whose name I'm not going to try to pronounce because I, cause I can't, but it was Simon something he's gone. 
uh, and um, the most recent CEO also uh, left a couple of months ago. Damn. Also stepped down a couple of months ago. So they are having, over they're, they're having a really, really hard time figuring out what it is that they want to do. They're having an identity crisis mm-hmm. because this this latest CEO, basically what he did, he was the one that like merged Mercantile and mm-hmm. regular J. Crew, put all the stuff together on J. Crew's site, which I have mentioned before was like not something that I was a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Apparently what they did is, as part of the cost-cutting operation was they just bought like you know, economies of scale, right? The more you buy from yeah. a manufacturer or a vendor, the cheaper the price is. Mm-hmm. Well, they just apparently bought like miles and miles and miles, like bolts of cotton. Really? Yeah. So they just like bulk bought cotton. And then like, so instead of kind of seasonally going with the cotton that they mm-hmm. wanted for this and this and this, they just bought like, you know, a truckload, like a just a massive shipload of cotton. And they're like, well, now we have this cotton. <laughs> now we can do stuff with this cotton, right? Damn, we'll take all of the cotton. So, uh, you know, they J. Crew actually did show a small bump in year-over-year revenue, is what I read. But then this guy stepped down because the he and the board were like not seeing eye to eye. Like he went too far into like this like cost-cutting operation where they were just trying to become profitable again, yeah. basically. And so it's just you know it the J. Crew of old. Like the one that shone so brightly that was doing, uh, that was staging shows at New York Fashion Week Mm -hmm. that was like, you know, it just like you said, I'm just pouring one out for the J. Crew of old because it was the brand that like basically opened up all of these doors. Yeah. And I I would say that I don't think that they're going to totally just go like fizzle out and not be relevant anymore because to be honest, that's still one of my go-tos because a the price point is perfect and i know the quality is good enough and it offers if you're looking for what i of it um oftentimes look for is just simple color you know muted basics um i'll always go to j crew for that but you're right when i first like came across the liquor store it was kind of like like i liken it to like what Double RL is to Ralph Lauren. The liquor store kind of brought that same vibe to J. Crew. Like yeah. you're like, oh shit! So there's this too. Yeah, and it's like a whole nother world of these these unique collaborations of brands you probably have never heard of, and them putting their own spin on it, offering you know limited runs of stuff. Um, they still do that, but just it's still it's it's housed under their main site, and it kind of gets a little um, bastardized. Mm-hmm. You know. Yep. But yeah, like for Ralph Lauren for years, I would just always, you know, picture that as like nice suits and, and then polo and and kind of preppy mm-hmm. stuff. And then you get to double RL and it's like a whole nother world. Yeah. Not cheap, but still definitely more yeah. my speed. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, you know, and I think I, I think part of the reason I mean, J. Crew pulled back from the you know, from the liquor store model, basically. Because it had stopped making money, like it wasn't, it wasn't necessarily that they pulled the plug and everybody threw their hands up in the air yeah. and said, "Oh my God, why would you ruin such a great thing?" Like it had slowed down that that business model, that era had had slowed down for them as well. And so when I was thinking about like what like what's you know you say you'll always go to the J Crew for some of that stuff, and you know I might glance at it too, but I but I've totally. 
I used to be on jcrew.com all the time. Yeah. It was like one of my regular stops on just like, you know, perusing the world of, of style and fashion, mm-hmm. like in my free time on the internet, right? And like, I'm rarely there anymore. Because, You're not going to get much like inspiration. No. Uh-uh. Um, and I think what will kind of replace them, if it hasn't already, is some of the more like direct-to-consumer model businesses, one of which we talk about pretty frequently as well, which is like Everlane. Yeah. Which has kind of come in to like fill that void mm-hmm. basically and doing it in a, in a, in a, in a, I don't know if it's a more interesting way, but it's a fresher way. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a, they're, the, they're a newer kid on the block mm-hmm. basically. Uh, and you know, as we kind of like phased out from that kind of that heritage look being the most popular, being the forefront, some of these brands like Everlane, um, Asket comes to mind. Cotton, that's K-O-T-N, if you're interested in that. Uh, they're just like a little bit more uh, malleable mm-hmm. in the ways that you can wear them, I guess I'd say. Have you picked up something from J. Crew um, recently? Recently, yeah. I mean, but it was just like what I'm wearing right now, like a basic white tee. They yeah. do good like schlub cotton stuff. Yeah. If you're looking for a solid color, and I'm not saying like, I mean, like an actual solid color. Then J. Crew still to me is a an easy go to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, we're gonna be here. We are going to um, pour out one for the yeah. liquor store closing in March. If you're in New York, go stop by real quick, just one last time, and uh, let's take a break. You know, here on the Club Cool Podcast, we do like to look good. But we also like to smell good. That is why I'm going to tell you about Scentbird. Scentbird is a luxury fragrance subscription service. Cologne, perfume, fragrance, the designer brands, this stuff can get pretty pricey pretty quickly. But it doesn't have to be because you can use Scentbird. Not only do you get to try different stuff and different fragrance every single month, but it's inexpensive as well. And these brands you want, the perfumes, the fragrances, these are the real deal. They have stuff from Gucci, Tom Ford, Kenneth Cole, Burberry, Prada, and even some of the more kind of artisanal uh, lines that I've had really good luck with, like Aqua de Parma and Arquiste and Histoires de Parfum. Uh, yeah. The, does that sound luxurious wow. in French? Because it is. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Each bottle that you get per month, it has 120 sprays. That's enough to apply more than four times daily for a month. So these are like real, I mean, this is every month you're getting like a significant yeah, supply of this stuff Yeah, it's not just a little baby too. sample. No, it is not just like a baby sample. This is like a legitimate supply of it. Every single month, you get to try something new, whatever you want, change up your fragrance. Right now, my listeners, you can get 50% off your first month today. That's only $7.50 for your first fragrance. Wow. Of a bottle of something that costs 150 bucks. Go to scentbird.com slash cool. And use my code COOL for 50% off your first month. Again, that's S-E-S-C-E-N-T-Bird.com slash COOL. Sorry, I got it. Yeah, did you get that, Phil? Did you get that? That's S-C-E-N-T-Bird.com slash COOL. Got it. Try your first cologne or perfume for just $7.50. Sign on. Smell amazing. It's a lot of fun. Go check them out. All right, Phil. Last but not least, we got to touch on this True Detective season three finale, man. Ugh. Uh, 
Is that how you felt about That's it? That's how I feel about it. Okay. I give it one thumb down. <laughs> one thumb down. <laughs> um, it wasn't what I expected. I, you know, I queued it up on HBO Go. I saw the runtime, an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah, and I was like, okay, yeah. this is going to be good. Right, me too. <laughs> like, they're dropping some bombshells on us. Nah, more dialogue for that ass. And it was just, uh, yeah, they just tied it up pretty neatly. It did. I, I, I was very disappointed. Um, they find the one-eyed guy, and he's like, here's what happened. It's like, oh, okay, that makes sense. And, that, and then they walk out. Yeah, and it wasn't like this crazy story either. No. Like okay, it was it was interesting. I'll give that was very interesting. That's cool how it all played out. And then it says there's like okay, well, see ya. <laughs> you know, I, I hope you kill yourself. Right. But for and, and then and, and they also paint him in a light of where he's kind of like I'm talking about the one eyed guy, yeah. Junie. J- uh, yeah, Junius. Junius. They they painted him in a light of he's not like this monster. No. At all. Uh uh-uh. uh Well, we kind of knew that already too. I didn't think that. I thought he was going to be some terrible dude. Oh, you did? Yeah. When, when, he, when he busts in or in the earlier episode yes. and like yells at Amelia. That for, seemed pretty frightening. See, I thought that I thought he was a, a more sympathetic character during that scene, though. I thought it was like, oh, man, this guy is like he cares about these people, these people's pain. You know, I, he, I wouldn't he think was that. Like, he was angry that she was profiting on pain, basically. No, I thought that he was a, a bad dude. He, had, he has a very um, I will say that that dude that plays him has mm-hmm. a very good yell. Yeah, okay, yeah. <laughs> Whenever uh, he like raises his tone, it's it's commanding. Yeah, so I I guess okay. Here's my question. What is up with Nick Pizzolatto in season 1 and 3 now? Focusing and narrowing in on these conspiracies about like rampant pedophilia rings and then none of the pedophilia stuff going anywhere or even being true. Right. Like why in season one, they they did have some pedophilia going on out there, did they? There were okay. There yes, there was like they came up with their yeah in the trailer in that little like yes camp and, that they had set up yeah, and they 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 find a video that's like yeah. pretty disturbing and stuff like season that. season one was so good, but they but they never but even in season one they never tied that up. No. They never like capture any any pedophiles. No, they just get the one weird murder dude. That's right. They don't find the the people that were really in charge of all. No, of it. he was just a procurer or something. Right, and in this case, and in this case, uh, the the pedophilia like probably d- it didn't even exist. It was just the Hoyt family, right, being weirdos. And he's dead. The house is abandoned. Yeah, I, I understand that they're trying to like prod you and like there's going to be another season. What will happen? But. Will it though? I mean, will they no, just pick up where they left off? No, there's no no. This is not going. This story, even if elements of it are continued, this story it's is over. over. Yeah. yeah. Well, the, I got nothing out of it. Yeah, we didn't learn anything about Amelia. No. After all that, you know, mystery. Yeah. And her being shady, we 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 basically don't learn anything about her. It was just overall just a very sad story about a a family that was broken to say the least and they end up selling their kids mm-hmm. and or the wife does at least i don't know man I, I was expecting some sort of bombshell which we never got i just hated how every episode just drug you along and in, in, in the desperate hopes of something happening mm-hmm. and then in the last five minutes something actually does kind of happen and then they just cut it off okay here i got a question for you henry uh wayne's son Takes that piece of paper with the address on yeah, it, yeah, and puts it in the drawer, uh-huh. uh huh, or his pocket. What was your read on that? That he was going to go do something with it. He's going to investigate. 
Yeah. What that address was. Because he picked him up from the address where he mm-hmm. supposedly didn't know where he was going, however right. he had it written down. Dude, I don't know, man. But, so my thought, my initial thought, my gut was like, oh, well, he's going to give that to Eliza, the the, the person, the, the documentary host. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it'll turn out that she is really a bad guy. Ooh. But who would she be a bad guy for? Because we, ju- we just saw that the Hoyt estate is like abandoned and vacant. So there's no more Hoyts running around that would that's what I was expecting be, that would still be interested in her whereabouts. I'm just like I was expecting for some other wing of the Hoyt family that was still around that was con, you know carrying on the legacy of mm-hmm. buying kids, but they made it seem that they didn't buy those kids or that the girl for any other reason than to keep their daughter happy. Yes, exactly. Insane. Yes. Right. And not lose her mind. Yep. They weren't interested in like raping her. No. And, and it seemed like a one time, like a, like, like, yeah. There were, there weren't like dozens of rooms down there. No. There was one room. There was one room, the pink room. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. I was disappointed. Um, so, okay. Back to the Amelia thing really quick. I, I think that the scene in the bar during the 1990 timeline between them was supposed to be very important. Like basically, with a with a little bit of time to like process, what I think happened there, what I think they were showing, and what they kind of like concluded for us is that Amelia and Wayne from 1980 to 1990 had a very tumultuous relationship that was toxic and not good, and it was because their relationship had been born from this tragedy that they were both far too invested in, mm-hmm. and so. They weren't really listening to each other. They didn't really understand each other. The only reason that they like found for coexisting was this like shared atrocity, basically. And I think that I I think that the takeaway there was after they kind of realized that and both decide that they're done and Wayne leaves and Amelia's not not gonna write the the book sequel, I think that is like that like fixes their relationship. Mm-hmm. Or at least patches it up, and then and then we see them. They're both working at the college, in the in the in between timeline, oh, in like the right. two thousand five uh-huh. timeline, and like things have like things are better mm-hmm. there. So, but I just don't care. I you know I yeah. could have done without all of that fixing and everything. I want to see some crazy shit happen. You well, know, I want to see them go out and 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 dig up something that nobody saw coming. Yeah, and somebody get. In trouble, or at least shot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, is that I, too much to ask? You know, I just think that I think that it's like fool me once, shame on me. Yeah, right. Fool me, you can't get fooled again. Um, that <laughs> is is kind of how I feel about it. But I'm I'm just kind of ignoring season two for now. But uh, I didn't but, even but, finish. But that. we can we can kind of throw that one in here too. The thing about True Detective is that all of the mystery. And like the plot storyline is basically red herring. It's all revolving it, it does, around the detectives themselves, isn't it? Yes. Like the like the 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 subject matter that Nick Pizzolatto, the you know, writer, mm-hmm. director, showrunner, what he cares about is the the lives of the detectives. That's right. And I've finally it, figured that out after three yeah. seasons. Same. And I'm okay with this season having really been what it was about was like the friendship between Wayne and Roland. Like I loved watching them as old dudes run around together. Yeah. Like it was fun. Like their chemistry was great. The fact that they cared about each other was like nice. Like it, it, 
I'm okay with that part of it. Like the kind of, I liked the story about their relationship over the span of 35 mm-hmm. years. Like that was, you know, those bonds are are interesting to look at. It's just that when you when you view that type of story through the lens of like all this kind of like crazy conspiratorial shit happening, it's disappointing when none of that ends up really mattering. Yeah. When that's just kind of like tossed off at the end. Yeah, it's it's more about they're they're telling the story of the detectives and their lives and their li- and yeah. how they get affected by these crazy cases. Exactly. Yeah. And now that I know that, um, that's great. Maybe I'll watch the next season. Right. Right. I mean, and, I'm you sure know, I will. Yeah, probably so. But we can go into season four knowing that whatever like the big mysterious case is, whatever they're like trying to figure out, it probably doesn't really matter. Yeah. So don't get your hopes. So up. don't get your hopes up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that is it for Club Cool Podcast today. Thank you to all the sponsors. Thank you to all the listeners. You can follow me, at Barrett Dudley, on Instagram and Twitter. Be sure to check out our Instagram account, at Club Cool Pod. We're on Twitter, too, at Club Cool Pod. Phil, where can the peeps follow you? Uh, Instagram, P Batag. There you go. Uh, And uh, we shall be back next week. We'll talk to you soon. Have a good one. See ya.